0: as our Bitcoin and Ethereum in current trading. Uh, Stay tuned, we got back chat coming up with Janice Wong and Ada Wong. It's a double Wong, a Wong squared. Uh, Tomorrow, we got Money Talk. Uh, Again, we're gonna have Patrick Bennett from CIBC, Sean DeBeau, uh, Canadian from Horizon Capital Asia, and Barry Wood, our THK's international economic correspondent. As always, I wanna thank our producer, Christy Lai, and today's sound man is Andy Kwok of the famous uh, Sexy Silver Hair. Um, we'd also uh, like to remind you today that you've been listening to Muddy Talk and it is time to release, release, release.
1: Ah, uh, 19 degrees Celsius, 91% humidity. The time is 830 and now the news with Barry O'Rourke. A former Macau legislator says inbound tourism has reached pre pandemic levels after the SAR dropped all travel restrictions on Sunday. Agnes Lam, a University of Macau associate professor, said people were happy they no longer had to use a health code or report COVID cases and felt more confident about the state of the economy.
2: The past weekend, we kind of reached the level of the daily number of the tourists, which level of the pre pandemic. Yeah, and so there was one day, I think, the Sunday, and then it reached like 70,000. And also before that, one week before that, before we lift all of the restriction, it already increased to 20,000 per day. So it's the biggest number of the past three years. And so people here are now obviously more happy, and then they feel more confident about the economy.
1: Officials in Brazil say at least 1,500 people have been arrested following the storming of the Congress building in Brasilia on Sunday by thousands of supporters of the former president, Jair Bolsonaro. President Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, who was sworn in last week, has returned to work in the presidential palace, which was also ransacked. Brazil's ambassador to the United Nations, Ronaldo Costa Filho, said his country and its people would not be defeated by what he called Sunday's lamentable incidents.
3: We are grateful to the messages of support and solidarity we have received from around the world, including from Secretary General António Guterres. We are confident that the strength of Brazilian institutions will allow us to overcome these violent and lamentable incidents of yesterday and allow us to move forward within the strength of our democratic institutions.
1: The Pakistani Prime Minister, Shehbaz Sharif, has urged the International Monetary Fund to agree to a pause in its demand for economic reforms before releasing more financial aid. Mr Sharif said Islamabad needed some breathing space as it tackled the impact of last year's devastating floods. His foreign minister, Bilawal Bhutto Zardari also says Pakistan needs to be given more time.
4: The challenges that the floods The scale of the flooding, the scale of the devastation have knocked us off our center. It does mean we'll need a little bit more time to be able to get where we want to be as far as the economic uh, recovery is concerned.
1: The IMF is yet to approve the release of 1.1 billion US dollars emergency loan, originally due to be dispersed late last year. A court in the Czech Republic has cleared the country's former Prime Minister, Andrei Babiš, of European Union subsidy fraud in a case which has dogged his political career. It comes days before presidential elections in which he's standing. A judge said there was insufficient evidence to prove Mr. Babiš and a former associate had fraudulently obtained more than 2 billion US dollars worth of EU small business funds to build a resort and conference centre outside Prague several years before he entered politics. Mr Babiš said the case was politically motivated. Of course, I'm very happy. I'm especially happy for my family, my closest colleagues and the people who were supporting me. And I think it's good news for the whole of the Czech Republic and its citizens that we live in a state governed by the rule of law and that we have an independent judiciary. A report co-produced by the UN, US and EU says that human action to save the ozone layer appears to have worked and that it should fully recover within decades. The ozone layer began depleting in the 1970s and gaping holes were confirmed in 1985. Two years later, 46 countries signed up to the Montreal Protocol, banning harmful chemicals thought to be causing the damage. And doctors who've been treating the Buffalo Bills American football star, Damar Hamlin, say he's been allowed to move closer to home more than a week after collapsing on the field during a game in Cincinnati against the Bengals. He left University of Cincinnati Medical Center and flew to Buffalo, where he'll be treated in another hospital. Hamlin regained consciousness on Wednesday, and doctors say he's continuing to improve, though they're still investigating what happened to him. Dr. Timothy Pritt said Hamlin had been watching his team, his Bills teammates in action.
4: You watched the game on uh, yesterday um, when the uh, opening kickoff was run back. He jumped up and down, got out of his, uh, his uh, chair, um, set, I think, every alarm off in the ICU in the process. Um, but he was fine. It was just an appropriate reaction to a very exciting play.
1: In a tweet, Hamlin thanked the medical staff and those around the world who've shown him support. And we'll have more news on the hour from RTHK.
0: Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Janice Wong and your guest presenter today is Ada Wong. Good morning, Ada. Good morning, Janice. Today we're talking about Hong Kong's readiness to welcome back thousands of cross-border students who are finally set to resume face-to-face classes here after a three-year hiatus. Around 18,000 of them are expected to enter the city from the mainland for in-person classes sometime after the Chinese New Year. Details of the arrangements will be announced closer to time, but right now it's not practical for students to return yet because all cross border travelers are required to present a negative PCR test at least 48 hours before their journey. Some NGOs say this requirement must be dropped just for cross border students to make daily trips doable and for them to take rapid antigen tests instead. So, what should be done to accommodate these cross border students? What needs to be done to minimise the hassle? After 9.15am, we'll look at whether the recently doubled $1 plastic bag levy has made any difference yet. Let us know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233 8266 Now to kick off our discussion this morning. We have on the line Dr. Mike Kwan, a paediatrician from the University of Hong Kong and Iris Liu, Programme Director at the NGO International Social Service Hong Kong branch. We will also be joined by Si Shan from the Society for Community Organization later on. Um, good morning, Dr. Kwan. Good morning.
3: Good morning,
0: good morning Ms. Liu. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the program. Um, so, first of all, Miss Liu, uh, your organization has uh, just collected some views from parents of uh, cross-border students in a survey. Um, I guess they must be uh, very happy that uh, in-person classes will resume soon, right? Yes, yeah, of course, Yeah, with, with no
5: doubt, uh, they're hoping for the border reopening.
0: All right. But what about yeah. the uh, PCR test arrangement? Uh, what do they think about that?
5: Uh, for the PCR test, it's definitely an issue for them both financially and in terms of time courses. Financial are not uh, notwithstanding, but it is much difficult for them to do the PCR test in China now, as the location for such uh, locally less, and cost for the parents, of course, hoping their children can take just the rabbit and instant uh, RAT test daily, just like other Hong Kong kids are doing.
0: Right. Uh, let's uh, go to Dr. Kwan. Um, Dr. Kwan, uh, how important would you say it is for cross-border students to get a PCR test uh, every time they, they come to Hong Kong for, for school?
3: In fact, uh, this is a personal opinion. Uh, in fact, the, uh, the PCR test, what we call a nucleic acid uh, test to test the, uh, the presence of the uh, uh, virus. In fact, uh, it's very tedious and quite expensive, in fact. And why uh, it costs a financial... Uh, problem in, in some of the families and uh, in, in fact uh, a personal opinion that the rapid antigen test is uh, in fact quite uh, very practical and simple to identify the infected uh, individuals and uh, it, 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 it might replace the PCR test in identifying the infected person and might be a useful method to replace the PCR test.
4: Right, um, uh, Dr. Kwan. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, local parents and local students are also suggesting that uh, the RAT uh, uh, should be um, should be cancelled uh, after Chinese New Year. So, um, uh, if, if that's the case, then uh, the cross border students uh, might have to do a PCR or RAT, uh, while the local students um, do nothing. What, what's your take on this possibility? But,
3: uh- but I would like to stress that, in, in presently in Hong Kong, and our vaccination rate among the different age groups, uh, uh, the the percentage in our primary school and secondary school students, uh, in fact, quite good, quite good. Uh, amongst our secondary school students, approaching hundred percent, and amongst our primary school students, approaching eighty percent. But however, in in many of our families, from six months to three years old, the vaccination rate only around. Uh, 25%. So, in many families, we got, we still got uh, some young members uh, still not vaccinated. So there's a problem that the viruses may may bring back from the school uh, by some of the students, and they, that that might infect the young member of the family. So this is uh, the problem we need to consider. That is why I, I still I still regard the RAT test uh, is still useful at this moment. Because they can identify any uh, infected students that uh, they, they, they might need to stay at, ho- at home not to bring the virus back to the school, school environment. So uh, then the school environment will be free of the viruses at this moment. So that is, that is why uh, to prevent the young member in many families not to be infected.
0: Right. Okay. Can we go back to uh, Miss Liu for a moment? Ms Liu, when we want to talk about... Uh cross-border students. I mean, can you tell us uh, a bit about them? I mean, where, where do they mainly live and uh, how long does it usually take uh, for them to, to travel to and from school?
5: Yeah, uh, from our experience, uh, the children uh, we serve, uh, mo- mostly they are living in Wu District, foreign by Phukin and San. And in terms of school in Hong Kong, they attend uh, mainly in Northern District and also in Taipo and Chin Before the border coast, Actually, most students took an hour trip to school daily. Some might even be longer than two hours a uh, trip. But we foresee the for traveling hours will be much longer because there will be fewer checkpoints uh, available and the queue will definitely be longer. And of course, for the students bus are still lacking manpower and some bus companies have even already closed down. So it is very uh, uh, definitely a worry for the parents now.
4: Yeah. How many students do we have um, who need to cross the border every day to, to come back to school, approximately? Um,
5: approximately, that, that is uh, 20, 27,000 right now to cross-border students in Hong Kong. And 90% of them
0: will, will choose to uh, return Hong Kong daily. Right. And, uh, and and are all of them, I mean, do you, do you have an idea if uh, most of them are vaccinated or are all of them vaccinated? I think all of
5: them are vaccinated in China. And actually the parents, and they are very conscious about the uh, epidemic and they definitely not to uh, take the risk for the children. Yeah.
4: Right. right, but we have no statistics uh, to check whether they have had any booster shots, uh, I mean like a third shot or even a fourth shot, right?
5: Uh, I think most of them take the first shot already.
0: Right. And you just mentioned that the, uh, the traveling time for these uh, cross-border students may be even longer because uh, not all the checkpoints have uh, reopened. And uh, so, so if they do have to carry out PCR tests when, when they go back to school here, it, it, it's not really... I mean, would you say it's not uh, really that practical? Um, for the practical
5: uh, concern, I think the, most parents will try the, all the best to fit the requirements. But uh, at this point, uh, not all the schools will uh, announce the technical arrangements. So I think uh, the parents and the children are waiting anxiously about the details arrangements, especially for transportation and the uh, incoming requirements measures
0: right and the government did say they will announce uh more details about yeah. the arrangement yeah. later on um dr kwan uh what, what what would you what sort of suggestion do you have for the government when they think about uh whether to uh, go ahead with pcr test or, or to replace it with uh rat instead
3: yeah as i mentioned before and uh, the the rat test is uh, practical and simple for for all the families as you mentioned uh, so many families and students that need to go across the broader to Hong Kong. And uh, so and uh, I I suggested that the government can consider to observe the uh, number of, uh, for example, the critical and severe uh, COVID cases, especially in the small children in the coming weeks. And if the number uh, is not uh, high and if the trend of the uh, critical and severe cases uh, keep on uh, decreasing, then they, 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 they might consider to replace the, uh, the PCR test with the RAT instead.
0: Right, and some people did uh, suggest maybe one PCR test every week instead of a daily PCR test. Is that uh, also doable, uh, Dr. Kwan?
3: Yeah, this is also, also uh, a, a possible measure, but uh, I also stress that most importantly is that we, we should advocate the COVID vaccinations, especially, I, I mentioned, uh, for all the small, uh, fam- small uh, members uh, in every family, especially at the present time, uh, the six months to three years, uh, member in, in our population, if we have a very good vaccination rate among all the small children uh, in Hong Kong, then in in, in actual fact, uh, uh, all the measures at the present moment can uh, can gradually scale down. And uh, so, this is why I, uh, I want to use this time to uh, to advocate uh, COVID vaccination and also the influenza vaccination uh, among the populations, uh, in also in families in Hong
1: Kong.
4: Right. Um, w- would it be uh, more effective if we ask the cross-border students to to have uh, their second or third shots uh, in Hong Kong? Because, as uh, Iris Liu pointed out, um, I think most of the students in uh, mainland China have had one shot or um, some two only. Doctor Kwok, I is they, a really
3: good suggestion. If if they if the families and uh, they they would like to receive the shot in Hong Kong, and also if the resources. It's possible. It is a, also a good suggestion that they can receive the uh, vaccination in, in
4: Hong Kong. Yeah, I think cost wise, it's probably uh, you know uh, more uh, well, inexpensive uh, to to get them vaccinated instead of doing the PCR every day because I think it's uh, roughly two hundred dollars uh, per PCR test, as far yeah. as I know. And yes. and uh, Dr. Kwan, uh, should we differentiate uh, between the secondary school, primary school, and the kindergarten kids? I do understand that cross-border students um, are mainly in the primary school um, age, and um, so if most of the primary school students in Hong Kong are already vaccinated, and then maybe we can be a little bit more relaxed uh, for the um, you know for the older kids, but you know pay more attention to the younger ones. And but
3: uh, in, in actual fact, when they go back to their family, uh, they then they. they, they they were all they were all grouped together, so this is why i i uh, suggest that uh, the at this moment we we should advocate the coation in all the children uh, population instead because uh, even though when when we when we group together or separate them in a school, when they go back to their family and uh, all the age group, uh, they they will come together yeah.
0: All right, and Ms Liu I mean after listening to uh, what uh, Dr Kwan has been saying I mean I know you you want a uh, PCR test to be uh, replaced by a uh, rapid uh, test instead um will you be will you be um uh, taking further action will you be uh, talking to officials or will you be uh, um, talking to other NGOs and uh, to come up with a way to uh, push for for this to happen Yeah
5: actually we are doing we contact action. Questionnaire survey and collect all the information and worries, and we uh, we to the government uh, and related uh, parties. And apart from the uh, what you mentioned, the test PCR test, actually the parents and the students have lots of lots of uh, worries. Even though they are waiting for the uh, reopening, uh, just like the transportation and the studies and social life and relationship. So we we. Uh, Refer to different party, and uh, yes. hopefully it
4: is a good start for them to reopen. Hmm. Yeah, we have been talking about logistics and uh, yeah. vaccination and PCR and so on. But um, I think, you know, when they come back to the school, uh, it means that they have been, um, you know, they haven't been there for the last three years, most of them, yes. and um, there might be a, a sense of, um, you know, uh, like... Being very different, or even being isolated, um, there might be social, socioeconom- uh, social, emotional issues. Um, what what other um, uh, areas would you expect um, you know might pose um, concerns? You know, when uh, when they ca- come back.
5: Yeah. the question maybe uh, we can define as uh, the head from head to heart to head. From head, to, uh, for the it is related to the information. I think all of them are left behind from the school. Uh, they, they just have the uh, internet trust for three years. And even though they don't know the school, especially for those um, uh, right now is a primary three mm-hmm. or uh, secondary. three, actually they didn't attend the school personally. So all the information of the school uh, are just online. So from the head is uh, for students, they have no idea of the experience exactly what school lies in. And for parents, they uh, you will see they are worrying about the uh, document, travel document, and some of them even they didn't got the uh, Hong Kong ID card for the children who uh, at age 11. And also they um, don't know what happened in Hong Kong for the last three years. So uh, first of all, it's the information for the head. For the heart, because of the emotional, uh, it is fear and anxiety uh, because they are facing a brand new situation for them. And also the adjustment. Uh, it is bringing them from home to school and then back to the society. So it is, uh, of course, it is uh, very challenging for the young kids. And also for the hand side, it's a hand-in-hand uh, for the relationship. It is uh, hard for them to uh, start the relationship for the peers, teachers and parents. You know, uh, in the last three years, actually, they stuck in at home and the family relationship become tense and parents and children are all in the battle to fight for time management and how to manage the, uh, their real life uh, between the studying and the time spent uh, on the internet. When well, now they have to restructure their time schedule and how to manage the new relationship. So uh, for that area, we social workers are try trying our best to uh, provide more information and support. And also, we we start a hotline for the youth. Start. Uh, we have a hotline for all the corresponding uh, families and the school. They can call us at six eight one six. Two nine eight six six eight one six two nine eight six. So, professional social workers can provide uh, support for them.
0: All right, that's uh, that's very useful, uh, Ms Liu. I, and uh, I know you need to rush off. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Iris Liu, Programme Director at the NGO International Social Service Hong Kong branch. You're listening to Backchat. And this morning, we're talking about Hong Kong's readiness to welcome back thousands of cross-border students who are finally set to resume face-to-face classes here after a three-year hiatus. If you want to comment or ask our guests a question, you can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3, or email. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk. Still with us on the program is paediatrician Mike Kwan and joining us now is Si Lai Shan, the Deputy Director of the Society for Community Organization. Good morning, Miss C. Hey, good morning welcome to back chat i know you've um, been calling for cross border students uh, to be exempted from pcr tests um um why is that we, we've just heard from our previous guest miss liu she's talking about costs and uh, also uh, the inconvenience uh, involved is that uh, also your view yeah
2: yes this is also the reason yeah and uh, i think i think also besides uh, they the, the children actually many of them they they stay home uh, online uh, for a long time uh, and uh, actually we worry some of them they already lost their uh, motivation to go to school and uh, some of their parents already said that actually they they just uh, stay home and not really online uh, attend uh, online online class so actually you know study for years. That's yeah. right so I think the schools need to pay attention to that. If, some of them they do not attend school, they need to call them and
4: to talk to children how to uh, 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 let them uh, go back to school. Mm. Uh, three years is, is not really a short time and there will be a lot of adjustments to make. Uh, but I do understand that um, in the last three years, a lot of teachers uh, give special tutorials and um, afternoon classes, remedial classes uh, for the students... Who are in the mainland? Um, so, a- as far as you know, you know, um, I-, I guess uh, we we can look at uh, going to school as gaining knowledge and uh, passing exams. And there's also the uh, holistic development and um, you know social emotional growth. But you know, on the knowledge side, uh, do you see a big gap um, in the um, in the knowledge acquisition in the last three years? Yeah, yes, yes. Actually,
2: not not all the the teachers have this make-up class for the t- children. Uh, many of them, they don't have. And and for the lower-class uh, children, they actually, their parents, they, they're they not really uh, uh, have m- much knowledge to teach their children. So many children at home, if they don't know, don't understand what the teacher is teaching or how to do the homework, and they actually, they, they just, it's their academic, actually, uh, 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 dropped a lot, and, and actually, they, their parents actually they did not learn anything. And hmm. even actually, uh, some of our children they are really good academics. They said they only can get around sixty percent of uh, ch- uh, teacher teaching. Yeah. Right.
0: And um, Dr. Kwan, I mean, uh, after listening to what Miss C has been saying, I mean, h- how much real damage do you think uh, the the pandemic has uh, had on um, children's or, or teenagers' uh, development?
3: I really agree because we uh, research found that many detrimental effect of uh, lack of the face-to-face teaching because uh, it affects the concentration and understanding of the students to the uh, teachers uh, teaching, and also too too much screen time contribute to the increase in the myopia and the eye problem of our uh, students, and also because of the lack of the uh, physical activity and uh, at the, in the school or also uh, outside. Uh, activity and uh, too 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 many lockdown uh stay with, yeah, within the home contribute to the obesity and uh, increase in the weight gain of our teenager, and uh, so these are all the detrimental effects of uh, of the, the pandemic contributed to our teenager. So I'm I'm really glad that uh, uh, we are re- these cook school t- start to reopen, and we I really welcome all the uh, the cross border students coming back to Hong Kong uh, to start the learning face to face learning.
4: So, so I guess we shouldn't be just focusing on the academics, on the on the knowledge gaining, on you know test results, uh, but focus on the, um, you know the needs of these students uh, because we haven't seen them for three years. Is is that right, uh, Dr. Kwang? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Just not only focus on the academic results, but the overall, the holistic, uh, the learning of uh, of our teenager and students.
4: And I guess in that case, uh, schools and teachers uh, would need a lot of support. Uh, you know, from social workers as well as probably education psychologists to understand where the needs are, which is not easy yeah. in Hong Kong because we, we, we have only very few education psychologists, Yeah. And Dr. Kwan, earlier you you talked about uh, the uh,
0: need to, uh, I mean, when you talk about uh, just uh, students in Hong Kong, you talked about the need to uh, maintain the uh, RAT tests in schools. I mean, um, when do you think it will be a good time to actually uh, get rid of uh, RAT tests at uh, local schools?
3: And uh, this this is only my personal opinion, but uh, I, I just I just make this comment because uh, I'm I'm seeing the vaccination rate for our small children still not satisfactory, and at this moment we are still seeing. Some severe and also critical cases among our small children, especially less than two years, two years of age, and also one condition I would like to stress that the uh, what we call the multisystem inflammatory syndrome, the MISD, and we are we are still managing these cases. Uh, these are the consequences of the COVID infections. So this is why I uh, want to stress to the parents and also the population in Hong Kong that the COVID vaccination to children is important. I really want the parents to bring their children uh, for vaccination. And apart from that, the personal hygienic measures are also important, like uh, wearing the face mask and also good uh, hand, wash, hand washing and uh, adequate and proper maintaining of social distancing. And also um, a proper maintenance of a good personal... Uh, 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 health, uh, uh, good health habit, for example, regular. Uh, rest and sleep habit and good uh, eating habit, uh, those are important
0: for maintaining good personal health. But but Dr. So, Kwan, but uh, Dr. con yeah. you're talking about low vaccination rate for really young children. But uh, most of the people, most of the students who are actually at school, they they are older and uh, they they have been uh, vaccinated. I mean, is that, uh, I mean, is it appropriate for for R A T tests to be dropped at uh, you know like uh, primary and secondary schools? I mean, just yeah, very
3: but, briefly. But the but the problem is that if those students that they uh, they don't perform the RT test, if they uh, got the infection and they bring back the infection to the school environment and. And infected the children, that they might bring the, the infection back to their families. And All the right. family, that they got the small family members. All right. Dr.
0: Yeah. Kwan, I'm afraid we had it out of time. I have to take a break for the news. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Dr. Mike Kwan, a pediatrician from the University of Hong Kong. Many thanks also to si Le San, the Deputy Director of the Society for Community Organization. And a uh, quick look at the weather. Um, cloudy with a few rain patches the top temperature will be around 21 degrees winds moderate east to northeast leaves. right now it's 19 degrees and the relative humidity is 90 percent <laughs> Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Tuesday morning with Ada Wong and me, Janice Wong. Just before the news, we talked about Hong Kong's readiness to welcome back thousands of cross-border students who are finally set to resume face-to-face classes here after Chinese New Year. We'll now look at uh, students here in general who have uh, just returned to school after their Christmas and New Year holidays and have pursued full day in-person classes, though they still have to carry out rapid antigen tests every day. To tell us more, we're now joined on the line by Dion Chen, the chairman of the Hong Kong Direct Subsidy Scheme School Council. Good morning, Mr. Chen. Good
3: morning, morning everyone.
0: Thanks for joining us on the program. So um, is uh, would you say school life is uh, back to normal now?
6: Well, I think most of the schools, they are now getting ready to have the normal school life. Uh, most of the secondary schools, they have already started the full day, face-to-face, whole school lessons. And uh, I know some primary schools, they are also getting ready for uh, the next month and, uh, because they can also have the full day resumption.
0: Right, in the early, we spoke to a uh, paediatrician, Mike Kwan, about the uh, need for students to continue carrying out their uh, daily uh, rapid antigen tests, and he, he said he believes uh, students should continue because uh, it will help uh, identify infected students and uh, keep infected students away from uh, from schools. Um, what's the view of schools and students? I mean, is everyone um, just uh, already, I mean, used to doing it now, or or would they like it to be uh, um, scrapped?
6: I think, like, uh, um, having the RAT in the morning definitely, like, causing extra work to uh, parents and students. Uh, But we understand that, like, in the meantime, that is one of the ways to screen out the students who may have, or not just only students, even the staff, okay, who may have uh, uh, infected the COVID. So uh, I think for the time being, we still need that. Especially, like, in the secondary school, we believe that, like, uh, the DSE is around the corner. So, like, uh, if we continue to have the RIT, it, would, it can help to, you know, protect the students, especially those uh,
4: candidates who will take the examination soon. And and um, uh, uh, Mr. Chan, in in the schools such as yours and, and many other schools, and uh, what what do you mean by life back to normal? Uh, surely, we're still wearing masks, and uh, um, you know, that might be uh, hurdles in uh, joining a lot of a sports competitions or or having um, having outing and and also uh, with with the border being open now, um, there might be plans to uh, to uh, speed up the uh, uh, long forgotten sort of cultural exchange tours uh, with mainland organizations um, that there are challenges uh, right uh, what, you know what kind of challenges do you foresee
6: I think like we are We are just a few more steps to back to the normal life. As mentioned, like uh, wearing the face mask, having RAT, and also like, um, you know, some of the activities suspended before. I believe that uh, quite a lot of students and even parents, they they really would like everything back. So hope that like all these could be, I mean, you know, scrapped soon so then everybody can back to the normal school life. Uh, Of course, like uh, the... The border will open definitely open another opportunity for the schools bringing students back to China and also having different kinds of the cultural exchange activities. Especially like in a secondary school, in from form five students, they they need to go there for um, cultural trip for the um, you know the new subject, the CS subject. So uh, quite a lot of us we are looking forward to that and also preparing for that too. And we hope that, like, these kind of the reopening can really bring more opportunity to students, not just only to Hong Kong, but also students in mainland. Of course, talking about the challenges, uh, definitely we are not too sure about, like, the, how long the COVID will last for. And uh, we understand that, like, the, you know, the impact actually is diminishing. We hope that it will really, you know, down to a very, very, you know, low-level I mean, impact to the health of the people, especially to the students. So that every everyone will can go back to China or to visit other countries, uh, you know, like before the COVID, uh, I mean, as normal. Yeah.
0: And Mr. Chen, I remember speaking to you last year about uh, difficulties experienced by some schools in hiring teachers. Uh, has that situation mm. improved?
6: Uh, well, in the middle of the school years, like most of the school, they got settled. I mean, in terms of the teachers' employment. Uh, however, we still have heard from some schools' principal that, like, some teachers will leave in the middle of the school years because of the, you know, the migration. So uh, we know that some schools, they are still facing some challenges, like in recruitment teachers. But like uh, for secondary secondary school, maybe a little bit better because like the form six students are uh, they are about to take the examinations. I mean the public examinations. So we have some we uh, some kind of the teacher manpower surplus there to support some of the classes if we have teachers really left in the middle of the school year. and uh, But we, we're still considering that like it is not that easy to find the right teachers for the school at this moment.
4: Mm. Um, going back to COVID, uh, I I do see a lot of um, people around me being infected uh, recently, uh, probably because they, they were away from Hong Kong during uh, Christmas and New Year. Uh, but the symptoms are actually quite mild. Um, from your lens, from your perspective, um, have your teachers and students been, been sort of healthy or they have just been mildly affected? And, you know, when we have more infections like this, there uh, might be herd immunity and... So, um, I mean, is, um, you know, is the team around you uh, being very cautious, being very nervous about uh, opening up?
6: Um, We are not very concerned about opening up the the border. We're definitely concerned about, like, some teachers or students, they get infected.
0: Earlier, you mentioned uh, that uh, some schools are having difficulties hiring teachers. I mean, what are they doing about? Uh, do you know what they're doing about the vacancies? Are they trying to get teachers from uh, overseas, or, or where are they going to fill the? Uh, how are they going to fill the uh, vacancies?
6: Well, so I know that some schools they uh, arrange some teachers, especially some senior teachers, to take extra lessons to uh, you know to cover this situation. Uh, also, as I said earlier, and uh, when the form six Students, uh, you know, they're getting ready for the DS examinations. They don't have lessons in school anymore. So, teachers, they will have a little bit more free time to uh, cover some lessons which the teachers are, you know, just left in the middle of the school years. So, this could be the, uh, the interim strategies. But Of course, the school are working on the, the plan for the next year and see how can they recruit teachers earlier. Hope that we can secure some new parts earlier for the schools.
4: And taking a longer view, um Obviously, Yinghua College is a very, very good school, and you are a DSS school, so you are not immediately affected. But um, we do hear that uh, some of the government schools and the aided schools uh, might have to be um, sort of integrated, or, or hopefully not, not um, you know not axed in in any way, uh, because of the reduction of student numbers. Now, uh, given that cross-border students can come back, and this probably applies more to the primary schools. Would that affect um, um, secondary schools as well? And in, you know, take the long view. Do you see the reduction of student numbers in Hong Kong uh, uh, sort of like a real threat to the existence of so many schools in Hong Kong?
6: Well, yes. I think, like uh, based on the statistics, like we can see the birth rate are uh, declining, and uh, this not just only. You know, this issue is not just only. Uh, you know, we found it this year. And uh, in fact, like a few years ago, we have already got such a warning from the government about the decrease of the number of students. And uh, basically, uh, two to three years, about two years later than uh, 2024, 2025 uh, school years, the number of the S1 students will definitely have a drop. Uh, This drop definitely will affect the schools in Hong Kong, uh, secondary school. For the primary school, they have already suffering from the lack of students. So the different kind of strategies are working. Some um, I mean, the schools they are working on it, and I know government schools or some or governments also encouraged some uh, school sponsoring body considering merging schools. Uh, of course, it's one of the ways to do it. But I think the, the most important thing for the government or for um, you know the uh, government officials to consider is the how can we raise the number of the students in Hong Kong. Of course, like encourage uh, the to boost up the birth rate, or can we reconsider like uh, having uh, students from mainland to come to Hong Kong to receive the quality education?
0: Right, and uh, and of course, uh, the pandemic has been a very unusual time for everyone. Um, in your view, what do you think is the most significant impact it's had on our uh, students here?
6: Well, I think like um, during the pandemic time, and the schools worked very hard to find time to complete or to deliver the curriculum to the students. However, because of the online lessons or like lack of face-to-face interaction, students we can find that like they are, probably lack of the skills in communicating with others, like the you know social interacting uh, interactions, uh, because they cannot really come back to have face-to-face lesson, they cannot have the ECA, the extracurricular activities, they cannot have sports with their peers. I think all of these are the most. Imp- I think the most important part for the growth of the young people. So within the, in the past two to three years a lot of them, they really lack of these. So uh, when they come back to the school, we can see that some of them, they really need some extra support to help them to, how uh, to get along well with others. So uh, the social uh, interaction is one of the key things that we need to help them
4: to uh, wow. hopefully to catch it back. So how, how, did, how did you respond to these new needs of your students? Do you see these needs too in your campus?
6: Well, I think it is, it's not uncommon, I think, uh, in the schools in Hong Kong, and uh, when we know about the situation, we try to arrange various kind of activities and try to you know uh, let students understand more about the, the meaning about the, the empathy or or the skills in like communicating with others. Sometimes, how can can we like uh, you know hold our tongues a little bit more and uh, to understand or to listen to others before we share our views, so on and so forth. So we have uh, different kinds of uh, practical skills or strategies to teach our boys and not just the boys, <laughs> but the students. Uh, <laughs>
0: Right. And how much time do you think it will take for for this uh, damage to be undone or, or can it be undone?
6: Uh, it really depends like how uh, quick that we can really back to uh, the full normal, I would say. And uh, as as you know, like we still have a few a kind of restrictions now in the campus. And uh, we hope that like all this gone, then schools can, you know, uh, you know help our students to get back there. this kind of the skills in full speed. And, uh, I hope that i like, uh, within a year or two then we can have students to really gain back all these kinds of skills i think the most important thing is that let them join the activities as much as possible and also guide them as much as we can so the student can gain back all these kind of the machine skills uh, i think in a quicker
0: way all right and what about academically have you noticed any uh, uh, major changes like uh during the pandemic and pre-pandemic uh, during pre-pandemic times
6: um not quite big uh, difference I would say but of course like in some components especially like some uh, kind of the assessments or tasks that require students to have a group discussion or group project it takes a little bit more time for the students to uh, you know get along with the other peers in the groups and also to have communicated with uh, with others in the past they probably just do it over you know, online or Zoom or whatever. But like now they have to do it face to face. So a lot of things like they still need to you know, get used to
4: it. Yeah. Um, I read a McKinsey report that um, all over the world, because of the pandemic, students' academic abilities are almost like a year behind. But I do understand that Hong Kong schools are doing much better. Um, well, I'm not just talking about the SSN Ban 1 schools, but um, have you seen? Uh, other schools uh, with sort of lower banding, you know, um, whose students are actually struggling academically because of the pandemic.
6: Well, as far as I know, like teachers in different schools in Hong Kong, they have been working very hard and trying their best to help the students to catching up. Like I know that even during the uh, online lesson time, some, stu- some uh, schools or some teachers they offer extra support to the students who, uh, who like the academic performance really lag like, behind. And especially when they can come back to school, so extra support has been given to those students. So I believe that like, uh, the students in Hong Kong are actually not not quite like behind compared to the, um, you know, the pre-pandemic time. Of course, um, some of the adjustment is needed, and especially when everybody returns to the school, the school really needs to have more like, thorough or comprehensive assessment to see which area the students really need to further improve.
0: All right, uh, Mr. Chan, we'll have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Dion Chan, the chairman of the Hong Kong Direct Subsidy Scheme Schools Council.
4: You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 23388 266 and have your say.
0: It's now coming up to 18 minutes past nine, and it's time to move on to our next topic. And it's about the recently doubled $1 plastic bag levy. To discuss its implementation so far, we're joined now now by Wendell Chan, Senior Policy Research and Advocacy Officer from Friends of the Earth Hong Kong. Good morning, Mr. Chan.
3: Good morning. Thank you for
0: having me. Thanks for joining us on the program. Um, It's not been that long since the uh, levy was doubled to $1, but uh, have you noticed any, any changes so far?
3: Right now, well, right now I haven't uh, because I don't really do do my shopping uh, personally. But I do I do hear that a lot of people have been complaining about the one dollar change, and some people have mentioned about how how they would never change unless the uh, levies uh, the, unless the levies rate to like ten dollars or even or even higher. But I, I'm not sure uh, how long how long that will last or if that 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 will last.
0: Right. So, so people are complaining about the $1 levy. Do, but but uh, do you know if most people are aware of the change?
3: I feel like it's been, I think it's been effectively communicated about the levy being uh, changed, doubling from uh, 50 cents to $1 because it's, uh, you can see all these um, marketing being more po- communication being posted in supermarkets and elsewhere. The problem is that they don't really tell us why they're doing this change. It's the only reason, the only thing they're telling us is that, oh, we're we're changing, uh, we're doubling the plastic levy, and we're also exempting some of these, uh, some of uh, some of the previous uh, items that have been exempted from that uh, charge.
0: Right. And just now, you mentioned that some people um, that you've you've heard about are, are unhappy with the one dollar levy because uh, they said they will never change unless it's like increased to ten dollars, for example, like you mentioned. Um, what does that actually tell us?
3: That tells us is that some people are not really price sensitive to to the plastic levy itself. It's or or like the plastic levy is uh, the price of the plastic levy isn't the most most important part. It's more more so that the government has to communicate to people about why wh- what's important about why we need to uh, pay uh, pay this levy when we buy when we uh, get a plastic bag. Well, like um, right now the most uh, Dominant item in in the ocean is plastic bag. Uh, plastic bag waste, and in Hong Kong, uh, plastic is, is the second most uh, common item that's been that's being disposed in in the landfill. So I think the commu- uh, the government has to communicate to the people about why we need to adopt these sustainable actions, and not just that oh, we're, you need to pay for a plastic bag now. I I think if they don't communicate
2: this, people would not really change because there is no no other incentive uh, aside from the
3: the the
4: dollar fine right? right um we have had this plastic uh, bag levy for the last thirteen years it originally it was fifty cents um It made a difference uh, when you know the scheme started, and so people uh, used a bit less. but I do see that because of a lot of exemptions like if you go to the wet market, you can still you know get a plastic bag if, if you buy like a piece of fish um uh, gradually people forget about it uh, yes they they bring their own bag for the dry goods uh, but you know there are still plastic bags lying around so um and now it is um, 1 so we are still using uh money um as a deterrent uh and and not um designing the whole process to facilitate behavior change um am, am I right in in saying this Mr Chen yes yeah.
3: Yeah, that's very correct.
4: What what um, you know what what are other cities are uh, um, doing uh, in in regard uh, to to this use of plastic bags are there better ways than just um, you know using um, money as a deterrent? Well,
3: mon- money is the most uh, all, well the, uh, quite a very blunt tool to, to communicate to people. But I think aside from just the yourself, there also needs to be uh, education. You need to tell you need to uh, uh, tell people why why we, we we have to stop using plastics because of all the microplastics in the ocean, the plastic waste that's polluting the environment. Uh, the animals are eating the plastic and dying from it. And also the fact that we are have we are finding microplastics in in all all over the place, in like in, in the Arctic, in the marina Trench, even in our body and and in our in our drinking water, we are finding microplastics if the, if the government doesn't tell us how uh, serious this problem is i think most people won't uh, wake up to the fact that maybe we should stop using
4: plastic so much so you mean other governments would tell its people you know all all these facts uh, with you know horrible pictures i i i remember seeing this picture that you know you you slight yeah, that you see the stomach of of a big fish and it's uh, full of plastics inside but we don't do this in Hong Kong very much, right? Yes, uh, how how come?
3: Yeah. I think it's the problem, it's the issue of how our um, how environmental protection is integrated into our education uh, inter uh, school curriculum. Because right now, environmental protection is pretty much just uh, taught within the scope of the what what we call the citizenship and social development curriculum. So it's only one small part of the of a very small of a of a course in 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 our school lives. We don't really
4: Um, and, and it is not an examinable subject, so, so I guess, um, you know, students pay less attention to it. But um, uh, on the other hand, I'm, I'm always curious, you know, what um, – uh, let's say we always compare ourselves to Singapore, right? And, you know, Singapore is much cleaner. They don't use that much plastics. What have they done right? Is it really mainly education?
3: you much about Singapore since I didn't really look into that so um, if I have to compare I guess education is one thing communication is also important because uh, in, aside from just environmental education they I think Singapore one thing Singapore does well is that they teach their citizens to be uh, they do teach good citizenship to to the people so I think that's also part of why they do things better compared to Hong Kong like in terms of littering, uh, no littering, and all these kind of things, these are all part of uh, being a good citizen. Uh, good citizen, and in Hong Kong, I think there's that uh, stark difference between the two cities.
0: Right. And uh, early you talked about uh, you mentioned that uh, plastic bags uh, it makes up a, um, a large part of our municipal solid waste. Um, um, when we when we look at uh, plastic bags, I mean the use of plastic bags, how does Hong Kong compare to other places? I mean, how much worse are we, or how much better are we than other places? Um, I think just compare within, within Hong Kong. Like when we initially, uh, like
2: before we in, uh, implemented the plastic waste levy, we're around uh, eight hundred sixty. We're producing eight hundred seventy
3: sixty-seven tons per day of plastic bags. But now, now that uh, now in 2021, uh, according to the latest uh, numbers, we're back to 842. So I think you can see from here, like, we're not really, we haven't really dropped in, in the use of plastic bags. In fact, we're we're actually getting back closer to what what we have uh, prior to the levy.
4: But but th- surely this is because of the pandemic. Uh, when yeah, when we well, have our restaurants, um, you know, closer for um, evening meals. Uh, people have no option but to buy takeaway, and once you buy takeaway, there there's a lot of plastic, right? So, so um, you do you have figures that uh, in pre-pandemic days, uh, this sort of levy were, would actually deter people from using too much, or should the responsibility lie with the restaurants themselves, like um, trying not to offer plastic utensils and and plastic this and that um, uh, if the customer doesn't ask for it?
3: Uh, actually, if you look into the uh, past uh, past trends into the into the government statistics, you can see that the levy has in the short uh, The plastic bags, was, I think, dropped around like twenty five percent or so initially when they first implemented the levy. it quickly rebounded. It's not not.
0: So, Mr. Chen, at the start of our uh, discussion, um, you said you haven't really noticed any major changes yet after the uh, levy was doubled. So, so, when do you expect to uh, see some changes? So, so what? What next? I mean, what should we do next to to really help reduce the use of our plastic bags?
3: One thing we could do instead of having such a long time before we review the numbers, I think uh, a more constant uh, review might be might be useful, both to adjust the uh, adjust the levy and to remind people that hey, we still have this levy here. Maybe you should switch to reusable bags. And in the meantime, uh, we should also we also need to have uh, soft measures like environmental education to keep communicate uh, communicating to people about why this uh, levy is here, why why it is important, why we need to practice uh, sustainability and all these things. And I think when these things when these two things uh, pair together, then we'll get people to actually uh, start adopting better practices.
0: All right, Mr. Chen, we'll have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Wendell Chen, Senior Policy Research and Advocacy Officer from Friends of the Earth Hong Kong. Many thanks also to our guest presenter Ada Wong and producer Yuki. Now, here's the weather, and uh, it's going to be cloudy with a few rain patches. The top temperature will be around 21 degrees, winds moderate east to northeast. northeasterlies, fresh offshore later. And the outlook mild and humid later this week, temperatures dropping appreciably early next week. Right now it's 19 degrees, relative humidity 92%.
3: Eat Smart Restaurants provide more fruit and vegetables dishes, which have fruit or vegetables as the main ingredients. Dishes marked as three less, which contain less fat or oil, salt and sugar, and the Eat Smart promotion for these healthy choices. These restaurants are classified
1: as one-star, two-star, or three-star and can be found in every district. Customers can enjoy healthy dishes for dine-in meals or takeaway. Be an Eat Smart restaurant and embrace the trend of healthy eating. Join now. The more stars, the smarter.
0: It's nine thirty. The news with Barry O'Rourke.
1: A former Macau legislator says inbound tourism has reached pre-pandemic levels after the SAR dropped all travel restrictions on Sunday. Agnes Lam, a University of Macau associate.